stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, welcome to this hour of the program. Rob Breckenridge with you here today on the Chorus Radio Network, filling in next week as well. And then, um, you know, someone else may be. Or something else may happen. Uh, we shall see. Much more still to get to here today, including a conversation with Alberta Finance Minister Travis Taves. He will be with us pretty much 60 minutes from now. So we'll uh, hear directly from the finance minister about the budget he tabled in the legislature yesterday. And we had some great analysis there from Trevor Toome and a lot more opportunity for you to weigh in as well. A few other things we'll get to today, including some conversation uh, around vaccination. The AstraZeneca vaccine gets the green light now officially from the feds. So what does that mean uh, for Canada, for our vaccination schedule, uh, for prioritizing certain vaccines for certain groups? How's all this going to work in practice? We'll get to that as well. So much more still to come. Now, certainly one element uh, from yesterday's budget that that should not be ignored is the fact that, yet again, we're adding a significant amount of money to Alberta's debt. And maybe you want to argue that under the circumstances that that's necessary, that that's obviously a subjective call, but it's, it's objectively a number that's getting very large. And with that, as Trevor Toon pointed out, come the, uh, the payments we got to make each year. Even if we're not paying down the debt, you still got to pay the interest on that debt. And, and it was kind of eye-popping to see in this budget that the debt interest costs are pretty comparable to what we have coming in uh, from natural resource revenues. So it's pretty alarming that those numbers would be, uh, you know, in the same ballpark. Now, we're expecting resource revenues to bounce back in the coming years, but still gives you an idea of, you know, the, the, you know what, what comes along with, with accumulating this much debt. It, it is not consequence-free borrowing, let's put it that way. You know, and sure, interest rates are relatively low. Of course, there's no guarantee that's always going to stay that way. So, yeah, look, you know, if, even if you want to argue that, that this is necessary debt, it is not consequence-free debt. There's a study out this week, interestingly enough, from the Fraser Institute looking at federal and provincial debt, you know, how big those numbers are getting and what it means to governments, what it means to taxpayers, to households, to Canadian families. You can read uh, for yourself at FraserInstitute.org. But joining us uh, to talk more about this study, one of its authors, uh, Jake Fuss, is a senior economist at the Fraser Institute and joins us on the line here this morning to talk more about this important issue. Jake, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much for having me on. All right. So Alberta's, uh, you know, very much in, in the debt club now uh, amongst Canadian provinces, maybe still on the lower end when it comes to jet de- uh, debt to GDP ratio. But it's uh, it's certainly a number that's growing. What are your thoughts or what do you make, first of all, about Alberta's position here? Yeah, well, I mean, one of Alberta's traditional strengths was that they had the lowest government interest costs in the country. Um, but, you know, we're seeing after years of deficits and mounting debt, um, the province has now lost that advantage that they previously had. Um, and although Canadians are now paying more than $1,000 per person um, in combined federal and provincial interest costs, Albertans are seeing an especially large increase in their interest burden. Um, and that's something that we saw reflected in, in the Alberta budget uh, that was introduced yesterday. Well, that's the thing, right? Because, you know, even if, if it's debt on paper or debt that, you know, we won't have to deal with in our lifetimes, maybe that's how some people tend to think of it, but uh, it does have real-world day-to-day consequences because, and, and we see the, the big number in this budget, I mean, there, there's a lot of money. I think it's around $2 billion Alberta's going to spend this year on, on servicing that debt. So there, there's no ignoring that, is there? 
No, absolutely. I mean, not only do you have provincial debt too, you also have federal debt that adds on top of that um, that actually increases your you know the amount of interest costs that you're paying. Um, so between federal and provincial interest costs in 2020, Albertans were actually paying about $1,076 per person um, in interest costs, which is a substantial expense. Um, you know, and then that also consumes resources that could have been used for other things, you know, whether that be healthcare, education, social services, tax relief. Um, and at the same time, there's negative consequences of growing government debt because future generations of, of Canadians um, have to pay, you know, rising interest payments in the future, um, potentially even through higher taxes. So we could be essentially asking young kids to foot the bill of today's spending while in the future they may not enjoy the same benefits that we do today. You know, when we talk about Canada's debt, and you know, that, that typically just focuses on the federal government's debt, which is obviously rising. I mean, sure, we can look. I mean, the U.S. has a, a high debt-to-GDP ratio. Other G7 countries do as well. When you start to factor in provincial debt, Canada's picture gets a lot gloomier uh, in, in that sense. I mean, what, what is the uh, overall debt situation in this country right now? Yeah, well, if we actually look um, over the last 10 years or so, we've actually seen our debt basically double when we look at both federal and provincial interest costs or federal and and provincial uh, debt costs. Um, we've actually seen that this year um, in 2020, um, combined debt has actually exceeded $2 trillion. I know that's kind of hard to put that number in perspective, but it's certainly a substantial um, expense. And at the same time, um, you know, we're seeing uh, interest costs across the country really, really rise here, um, especially, you know, if we look at Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, residents there are paying over $2,600 per person in interest costs a year. Um, the lowest province is actually British Columbia, which is spending about $1,060 per person. So there is a wide range between, um, you know, governments, but, you know, provinces and the federal government are really racking up debt, and they were doing it long before um, COVID even actually occurred as well. Um, so we were seeing that increase in debt over the last 10 years in particular. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, even if you want to make an argument that, you know, in a pandemic, an emergency, that, that this kind of emergency borrowing is, is justifiable. But when you're running debt, even in good times, when you're adding to that debt in good times, and, and then you got to justify it as, as necessary in the bad times, then, well, when are we ever not going to be adding to the debt, right? When do we ever get out of this situation? Yeah, well, I mean, if, if we look at the Alberta situation, for example, you know, only 10 years ago or so, Alberta had no government debt. Um, interest payments only amounted to about $460 million annually. Since then, you know, spending skyrocketed. We've had an oil price crash. Um, the pandemic hit. Um, all of these things added to our debt. But at the same time, um, you know, we've seen that increase in debt before, um, you know, the pandemic even occurred. Um, you know, we have debt interest payments this year will be about $2.8 billion in 2021. Um, you know, per person interest costs in 2007 were about $62. Today, um, they're over $500. So, you know, this is really a substantial increase in, over time. And yes, COVID is adding to our problem, uh, but this problem has been building for quite some time where we were running deficits and adding debt during the good times and the bad times. Well, and, you know, it, it does give governments the opportunity to to put off tough decisions or even in some cases to kind of have their cake and eat it, too. And I think that's been a problem in Alberta in recent history where we've wanted to be the lowest tax jurisdiction, but also the, the highest per capita spending jurisdiction. And sometimes oil prices will, will help us cover that gap. And other times and more recently, it just seems to be a lot of borrowing. But, you know, for the most part, is 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 debt a choice? I, I do hold to the opinion that governments, you know, if you think taxes need to be at a certain level, you think spending needs to be at a certain level, 
you got to make those match. So spend what, what you know, tax what, what you think you need to spend. And if that means cutting spending, raising taxes, do it. And you got to justify it. But, but debt gives them an out, doesn't it? it? It makes those choices easier, I think, at times. Yeah, I mean, you know, over the past two decades in Alberta in particular, you know, we've seen this imbalance um, between revenues and spending over, over time. Um, you know, in particular, we've seen successive provincial governments increase spending. Um, you know, if we look at 2006, for example, um, per person spending was about $11,250. Um, and then in 2019, which is actually before the pandemic, um, that amount had increased to over $13,000. And as you said, Alberta is one of the highest um, per person spenders in the country. Um, so, you know, we can't really just blame the deterioration of Alberta government finances entirely on the pandemic and recession. Um, you know, the, the government has failed to take su- uh, sufficient corrective action to repair Alberta's finances. Um, and this could eventually lead to a more of a fiscal crisis that we saw in the 1990s. Um, so, you know, there is there has been that imbalance between revenues and spending, as, as you've mentioned. Um, and that's an issue that does need to get addressed eventually. So if Alberta's not a leader anymore, is is anyone? <laughs> uh, BC seems to be in, in I, I think, a relatively uh, strong position, but, you know, that, that's compared to other provinces. Uh, do, do we see any, any leaders on this front in this country? Yeah, I, as you mentioned, I mean, British Columbia is in fairly decent shape, I guess you can say, uh, compared to most other provinces when it comes to debt and interest costs. Um, they do have their interest costs eating up less than 5% of the revenue, um, but it's important to recognize, you know, that's still a substantial expense for the B.C. government. Um, they do spend more on interest costs than they do on social assistance, for example. Um, so, you know, it's it's a substantial expense across the, the country right now. And we are seeing, you know, B.C. is going to run a large deficit most likely as well, um, just like all the other provinces. Um, so this is really a problem, you know, across the country. Uh, but there are some provinces that are faring better than others. Now, it's probably not realistic to to expect all levels of government to, you know, come back next year with balanced budgets. But, you know, longer term, what's a reasonable expectation when it comes to governments in, in addressing this debt problem? Yeah, well, I'd say a few things here. I mean, first of all, I think, you know, governments need to better control spending in the future. I mean, demonstrating restraint, um, having a plan to balance the budgets again, um, you know, even if it's not right away. Um, but Ultimately, you are going to have to make difficult decisions. Um, if you put off those decisions forever, you have to make even more difficult decisions later. Um, you know, I look at the 1990s. We had a, a federal liberal government under Jean Chrétien, and Paul Martin was the finance minister at the time. Um, they, they faced a near fiscal crisis as well. They had to make difficult decisions, um, but they chose not to pass the burden of debt down to the next generation or to another government. Um, so, you know, they chose to control government spending and work towards a balanced budget. And those are critical steps that need to be taken um, to ensure prudent management of our finances in the long term. What are the consequences of not doing this? Um, Because, like we've said, it's easy for governments to just kick the can down the road, let a a future government deal with it. But it can affect our credit rating. You know, those interest service costs go up each year. It does manifest itself in a lot of ways. What, What are the consequences of ignoring this, in your view? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with that potential for interest rates to rise, um, we also do have an aging population as well, which is going to want to put up upward pressure on our healthcare system and potentially have waning tax revenues at the same time. Um, so, you know, in the future, we do have that potential for interest payments to eat up more and more of your revenue. Um, I look at Newfoundland and Labrador for an example. Um, right now, their interest costs are taking up about 15% of their revenue, and that is substantially higher than most other provinces. 
Um, so, you know, that is something that we could see in Alberta or in other provinces in the future as more and more interest payments start to eat up that revenue. Um, you have less money available that you can spend on things like healthcare, education, social services, and so on. Um, so, you know, it is really asking, you know, young kids to put the bill of today's spending at the same time, consuming resources that we could use for other things in the future, too. All right. Well, again, now more at FraserInstitute.org, including your study from this week. Uh, Jake, thanks so much for making some time for us here. Appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me on. All right. Take care. That is Jake Foss. He's a senior economist at the Fraser Institute, uh, FraserInstitute.org. And uh, the study they put out this week, I don't know if it was meant to coincide with the Alberta budget, but it's uh, certainly interesting timing and, and, you know, crystallizes this issue a little bit more. Look, again, I get it. I mean, you know, this is an emergency situation. Probably wasn't realistic to expect the government to table a balanced budget yesterday. But at what point is this a choice? And, and I do think that governments, whether it be on the right or on the left, and especially when times are good, you know, you have an obligation, you know, to, to, to match what you're bringing into what you think should be spent. If you are a conservative government, you really believe taxes should be low, then you get an obligation, I think, don't you? That spending match revenue. You think taxes are, are as high as they should go. You have an obligation to match the spending to that. Conversely, if you're a left-wing government, you think spending is as low as it can go or spending needs to go even higher. Then you have an obligation to be bringing in enough money to pay for that. So yes, tax increases are unpopular. Big spending cuts can be unpopular. But I guess maybe until debt is as unpopular, governments are going to keep doing this. It's easy to have it both ways if you can just borrow to paper over that gap. All right, we'll have some time for your phone calls when we come back here in Calgary, 403-974-8255 in Edmonton, 780-496-0063. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We're back after this. All right, welcome back. Uh, text here says, democracy does not lend itself to fiscal restraint as the spend governments will inevitably be more popular with voters compared to fiscally responsible governments. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, hypothesis. And there's, certainly there's evidence you could point to. You know, on the other hand, I mean, you know, the, the Gretchen uh, Paul Martin era, I, I think at least in, in, in the context of recent federal governments or even the Liberal Party of Canada, was, was fairly restrained fiscally and, and certainly did address uh, questions around deficit and debts. And I, I don't think it was necessarily because they were just so principled on this point. Maybe we can give them some benefit of the doubt on that. But I think ultimately, you know, they, they, they want to win. They want to stay in government. And I think they recognize that that was what the appetite was at the time. You know, certainly Ralph Klein was an incredibly successful premier of Alberta. Not everybody loved him, mind you, but uh, you look at his record and I mean, it speaks for itself. So I, I think there are examples you can point to where. You know, there, there are fiscally responsible governments and politicians and uh, those who have been rewarded for being that way. But I don't know, maybe those are the exceptions, uh, not the rule, right? So that could be. I mean, ultimately, governments want to get reelected. And so they're not going to do things that they perceive to be unpopular for the most part. Uh, regarding the question of uh, of a PST, and, and this is an interesting one because, look, if you ask Albertans, do you want to pay more tax than what you pay now? Very few are going to say yes. Some might, but very few. But what about changing what we have? What, what's to say that the, the tax mix in Alberta is, is perfect as it is right now? 
like this idea here. It says implement a 10% sales tax and increase the personal exemption up to 30,000 or so. I think it's around 18 or 19,000 presently. Right? That, that would be huge. That's the kind of thing you could do. Or look, I, I still think Alberta's on the right path in trying to be competitive and keeping corporate taxes lower. This might be a tougher sell, but you could bring in a sales tax, lower that corporate rate even further. So, you know, in terms of, of those kinds of choices, I, I think that gives you room to have that conversation. But as it is, for the most part, the, the status quo on the tax side is, is staying put. Uh, the de-indexing of, of uh, tax rates, though, continues. So you can, in Alberta, still move up to a higher tax bracket through inflation, even if really basically your wages haven't changed. So we'll talk about all of that with the finance minister coming up in just over half an hour. We'll come back. More time for your calls. This is the Chorus Radio Network. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.